I'm Joanna Fortune, psychotherapist and author of the 15-minute parenting series of books. Welcome to my 15-minute parenting podcast, where I take a common parenting struggle and break it down with practical, playful solutions. Let's get going. I wanted to talk about the nature of adolescent friendships today, as I mentioned last week in the episode where we spoke about mentalization and being able to fill in the gaps and stay curious instead of certain. I have been receiving a lot of messages from worried or frustrated parents about this topic. You'll remember in last week's episode that I was talking about mentalization and that idea of being able to hold another person's mind in your mind, to be able to consider or at least be curious about how they are thinking and feeling rather than just your own thinking and feeling about the matter or about the person. Well, following on from that idea, today I wanted to talk about egocentrism in adolescent development and its impact on friendship formation at this stage. So even take that term, because I think sometimes these terms can feel like, whoa, that's it sounds a bit complicated, but it's something that we experience all the time. And the term adolescent egocentrism is you're really describing the developmental phenomena whereby there is a disparity between what your teenager perceives others to think of them and what others actually think of them. I think of it as the process of how we perceive others and the world outside us, but from our own specific point of view. As an adolescent's point of view and capacity to understand the points of view of others is still very much developing, this can be a shaky foundation on which to be standing and can lead to all kinds of misunderstandings and uncertainties. And this can trigger a lot of anxiety and confusion and can cause teenagers to turn against themselves in a I'm stupid, no one would want to be my friend kind of way or even against others. They're all stupid, why would I want to be friends with them? Early ego development is in sharp focus during those first three years of life. I mean, is there anyone more egocentric than a toddler with all of their I, me, mine assertions and their impulsivity and behavior that, you know, combined with the very limited understanding of the minds of others? Toddlers are motivated solely by how the world feels to them in a given moment using because I want to as a defense for pretty much anything. In later development, the ego is informed and shaped by, you know, a greater capacity to understand one's own feelings while reading the thoughts and feelings of others. But like I discussed in last week's episode on mentalization, this reading of others' thoughts and feelings is fraught with misunderstanding, inferences and judgments without an appreciation that inferences and judgments are by their very nature prone to error. Because I'm thinking, I know it, I get it, I totally know what's going on, I know I'm right, but I forget to be curious because I I have that absolute view and actually I need to stay in a place of, yeah, I could be right, but I could be wrong and that's really hard in adolescence. So how does all of this impact on teenage relationships? Well, it's developmentally normal and healthy for teenagers to prioritize their peer relationships above family relationships. That's something we've also spoken about in an earlier episode when we talked about the five adjustments of adolescence. You know, they spend more time with their friends. They're off, they often speak of feeling better understood at this stage of development by their friends than their family members. 
And as these shifts in friendship patterns occur, you may find they're developing new friendships other than the ones that they have maintained throughout childhood so far. You know, they're experimenting. It's that process, again, referring back to the earlier episode on five adjustments that if you want to go back and listen to, you might find helpful again. But the estrangement process of experimenting with new tastes, just really grappling with that emerging identity and sense of self. In childhood, friends tended to center around, you know, common interests and activities such as playing on the same sports team or attending the same gymnastics, judo or ballet classes or whatever it was. But now shared interests stretch to include a shared attitude towards things, a shared value system and shared activities. So it's broader than simply having, you know, shared interest in the same activities. It's now about yeah, we think the same, we feel the same, and I have that sense of cohesion with a group based on other variables. And we also see some notable gendered differences in terms of how friendship patterns shift. For girls, generally speaking, you know, for girls, we see a significant rise in intimacy and sharing of very personal details with friends who are treated as emotional confidants. They implicitly trust their friends and a breach of that trust can be experienced as a trauma at this stage of development. Boys, again, I'm speaking generally, boys are more likely to align themselves with a group of friends who validate each other's sense of self and worth through explicit actions and deeds without that same need or even urge to share personal details or form a deeper and more intimate alliance. You know, this just to highlight again, though, that this doesn't mean that boys don't want, need or respond to more intimate relationships in their lives. But generally speaking, it is not as central to their friendship formation as it is with girls at this stage of development. And I keep saying generally because, you know, there will always be exceptions to the rule. There will always be a kid who's, no, this boy does need friendships and migrate to friendships in this way and this girl doesn't. That's fine. I'm just giving you a general overview of what we tend to see. And while in middle childhood, you know, they migrated towards same sex friendships, now they're drawn to a more mixed more mixed friendships, you know, with a blend of males and females in their friendship groups and sexual interests, urges, impulses and explorations are to the fore. So we see a total change in friendship patterns and how friendships are formed, maintained and how they're negotiated, really, the boundaries of friendships, the rhythm of them, how all of that is worked out at this stage of development. Friendships are really, really important in all of our lives, but, you know, particularly in the lives of teenagers, because it is their important hub of social development over parents and siblings. So they should be actively encouraged. And friendships at this age help teenagers to learn important social and emotional skills, like being sensitive to other people's thoughts, feelings and well-being. Um, It helps them to feel understood, accepted, socially fitting in is of great importance to teenagers. And this can this need, you know, can only be met in their relationship with their peers. Okay, so that's all really important, that whole urge to feel understood by others, to feel accepted, to to feel that I'm part of a group. That's so, so important. And I really depend on my peers for that validation, not parents. Friendships at this age provide a great sense of reassurance and emotional support and can serve as a protective factor in terms of adolescent mental health, you know, so really the importance runs deep here. You know, though friendships outside of the family take center stage in adolescence, young people will still need our help, you know, as parents to support and build and maintain positive and supportive friendships. So a strong and healthy parent-child relationship is actually a great predictor for positive teenage friendships too. 
being non-judgmental, open to the choices your teenager is making and supportive as they work the impact and effect of those choices through for themselves enables you to engage your active listening, that is listening to what is being said as well as what is not being said but is being communicated in their bodies, nonverbal communication in other words, within a connected relationship. This is not only beneficial for your teenager who is learning vital social skills to carry into their own friendships and relationships with their peer group, but also ensures that they continue to see you as someone to turn to and lean on when they need to work something out about their peer group. One of the most effective ways for you to encourage positive peer relationships for your teenager is to model the same in your own friendships. Parents who have active and engaged friendships of their own tend to have, again, generally now, guys, but tend to have teenagers who have more positive and healthy friendships in adolescence. So allow your teenagers to see you supporting, reaching out to, enjoying and nurturing your own relationships with your friends, because this teaches them important social skills that will strengthen and enhance how they relate to their peers, while modeling that healthy friendship is a two-way thing. So there's a whole lot that they get from taking their emotional and behavioral cues from us. And it's really good for us to see that while we're focused on our relationship with our teenagers, it shouldn't be at a cost of the other relationships and connections in our lives. This is also where you see the impact of that mentalization we spoke about last week in terms of how your teenager is or is not able to consider a situation from their peers point of view how they can or you know cannot imagine themselves in the mind of their peer, how they are or are not able to consider the thoughts, desires or motivations behind the actions of their peers. You're going to see dips and even blatant gaps in their capacity to you know get it and at times their apparent inability to read and respond appropriately to a situation will frustrate you. But this is developmental so bear with it. One of the many questions on this topic that has come in recently was one about a young person who struggles to make friends. I think that's really important and one I wanted to include here because, you know, in talking about how important friendships are for teenagers, I think it can be very evocative if you're going, gosh, my teenager really struggles with this. But rest assured, not all teenagers have or even want or need a large group of friends. So long as your teenager is generally happy, content and emotionally healthy, there is nothing to worry about. However, if your teenager is struggling with friendships and this struggle is a source of anxiety for them, then you will need to step in and support them in finding their way through it. Typically at this stage, I would talk about things like, you know, promoting shared interests, you know, taking up new extracurricular, extracurricular rather activities or supporting your teenager in structuring an evening with selected friends in your home. But with COVID restrictions, these options are closed to us for now. Generally speaking, encouraging your teenager to take up a hobby or an interest so they can find other kids who share the same interest with them is a great way of building friendships or helping them to say, look, why don't you invite some friends over for pizza? We'll give you some space and then letting them at it. That's a really good way to do it. What we can do instead, though, is encourage spending time with extended family or those who are within your COVID bubble. 
While your relatives are not the same as friends, spending time with people beyond the immediate family is a great way to expand and grow social skills, but with the comfort of familiar people. It also allows you and your teenager to observe how they cope in social situations, casual conversation, and to learn from this. I also think volunteering is a great idea in terms of building social skills and also encouraging positive risk-taking behaviour. You could explore what community activity exists in your locality, discuss this with your teenagers so that they can choose an area that they feel drawn to and can get more actively involved in, be that homeless shelters, soup kitchens, care homes, homework clubs, or working with you know people new to the area who may want to improve their language skills. By doing this, they can build social skills and also practical skills for their futures. Now, while a lot of it is also closed off right now due to COVID restrictions, maybe they could still get involved by reaching out to these organizations and seeing what they need. They could collect items, make dignity packs, drop some toiletries or food to a soup run or shelter. There are still things that they can do. And simply by doing that, it's a great boost for self-esteem because you feel you're making a contribution and you're part of something bigger than yourself. And that's always good for increasing self-esteem, independence and self-efficacy, well worth doing. Regardless of the route that you take to support your teenager in improving their social skills and building a social network that best meets their developmental needs, ensure that you're always praising the efforts they're making regardless of how it goes. Reflect afterwards with them on what they feel worked or wish had gone differently. Role play situations so that they get to think it out loud beforehand and afterwards with you. Encourage and praise, but avoid pressure or demands. Remember that they do not need to have lots of friends or to be part of a large social group. So long as they have some friends, even a couple, and are generally happy and content, they're fine. Good enough is good enough applies to them too, you know. Now, this being said, if you feel the blocks to making or sustaining friendships are more complex and deeply rooted, or if the effect of the struggle with friendships is impacting their mental health and emotional well-being in a pervasive way, please do seek a referral to suitable adolescent mental health services because not all difficulties can be resolved with the type of suggestions I'm giving you here. So give it a go, but if you feel you're dealing with something over and above, then respond in an over and above way. Thank you for listening. I'd love if you could leave a positive review, share this with a friend or a few friends, or even subscribe to the podcast. It really helps others to find it and helps with visibility online. You can also follow me on Instagram at Joanna Fortune or on Twitter at the Joanna Fortune. No E at the end of that. Tune in next time for more 15-Minute Parenting.